Today we're continuing on. We're thinking about this topic of parenting. And the fact of the matter is, parenting is complicated. Have an amen out there? I think probably so. Parenting definitely is complicated. Comedian Jim Gaffigan said, most of the time I feel entirely unqualified to be a parent. I call those times being awake. <laughs> and maybe you've been there. I can remember when it was time for us to take our firstborn, Melissa, home from the hospital. And we're like packing up the car and it's like, you're really going to send me home with this baby? I don't have a clue as to what it is that I'm doing when I take them home. Even Ikea sends you home with instructions. They're not always right, but at least it gives you something to blame when things don't go the way that you think that they should. But not with parenting. They just send you home. Eight, seven, eight pounds of human. They just send you right home to figure it out for yourself. Some of you are bigger than that. I talked to a guy this week, said he was born at 11 pounds. His poor mother, 11 pounds, that's crazy. I wouldn't even take that kid home. I'd just go take, check him straight into kindergarten because it's about what they're ready for at that point. But parenting is one of those topics, one of those relationships in life that is very, very complicated can be very, very difficult to figure out where to go. And if you have a child, you already know that that is the case. If you don't have kids or don't have kids yet, you're, you are or you do have parents, and they know that it's complicated because you were the problem all the way along growing on up. But we're going to be thinking about that today, some very important topics for us to, or topic for us to look at. If you do have a child or have maybe several kids, you know that each stage is different. And some of you have grown through all of them and you've experienced it all, but it starts when those kids are young. We have a lot of young families here at Pathway. And uh, for those of you who are in that category, you know that it's just sort of trying to figure out how to navigate your way with a toddler in the house, living with the most self-centered person that you've ever experienced in your life right there under your own roof. And I'm not talking about your husband. This is your child that we're, that we're talking about. Or a little bit later, they get a little bit older, and maybe you had the experience this year of, of sending that child off for the first time into the care of somebody else for a large part of the day, and it reduced you to a puddle of tears. Or maybe they're a little bit older than that, and all of a sudden, they seem to be tuning you out. And it seems as though they're not paying attention, and though there's a tension that is existing between you, and a distance that is coming up. Or maybe you're at the stage of parenting where... Your kids have actually moved out of the house and they're grown and gone in that experience that you were praying for and hoping for that it would come along, that you'd experience this wonderful friendship between you and the kids. That just hasn't happened. And you're wondering the direction they're going and why there can't be greater harmony. We're at all sorts of different stages along the way. But regardless of where you find yourself, maybe you're in the throes of one of those stages and it's like, this is just joy upon joy. This is everything that I was dreaming and hoping and praying for. Maybe you're at one of those stages along the way and you're like, I don't know what happened and I'm not happy about where things are. But what I have to say to you today is that regardless of what of those is the case, there's hope. There's always hope. Because we're going to be thinking today about some principles that we can find in God's Word and elsewhere that can assist us along this journey as we make our way from one stage into the next. Now, if you're not a parent here today, we're also thinking about you, and I believe that there's something in what we're going to be talking about today that will be beneficial for you also. Even if you are not at the place where God has brought this blessing into your life, 
this complication into your life. It may be that that is still yet coming for you. It might be that God just hasn't blessed you in that way just yet. It might be that you haven't even made an attempt in that direction. It might be that you're single. You might be a college student. You might be one of our youth. Well, these are some things that you can take that we're going to look at today, and you can, you can file them away, and you can pull them out, and you can have them available for you as you move into those stages. And maybe you're past that, but as a grandparent, there are principles here that I believe that you can take and, and apply even as you interact with those children who are in your children's home. Or maybe you're here as an aunt or an uncle. There are things here that you can take and you can apply into the relationship that you'll be developing with that niece or with that nephew, whatever the case might be. We certainly do want to also acknowledge that there are some people for whom God doesn't open up that door to parenting for one reason or another. But we also need to acknowledge that God is sovereign, and where God does not allow for that or does not move us in that direction, it doesn't mean that you are then relegated to some sort of second tier or second class blessings. God has great meaning and purpose and fulfillment for you also in life, and maybe it doesn't have to do with having your own kids in your own home, but it doesn't mean that you can't be a part of what, what it is that God is doing in kids or with kids. In fact, some of the people who are serving within our kids' ministry most powerfully don't have any children of their own, but they've stepped in and they are applying these sorts of principles and, and the wisdom from God and their heart for those little ones, and they are accomplishing much. So if there are principles, if there are instructions that we can gain and that we can apply into our homes and into our lives, regardless of what are those stages our kids are at, then what are those? Well, that's what we're going to dig into today. And there's an outline in your worship program that you can use, fill in some of these blanks, and hang on to this and uh, pull it out from time to time and review it and, and see what God might be teaching along the way. So the first of the skills that we can apply to this complicated task is this. It's to pursue God, to pursue God. This might be the most important thing I say to you all day, so I want to be sure that you don't miss this. Are you ready? Here it is. The key to raising godly children is to be a godly parent. You say, well, that, that doesn't have to do with parenting technique. Well, actually it does. The key to raising godly children is to be a godly parent. So you're modeling for your children what it means to follow after God and you can't lead them to a level of commitment that you've never experienced for yourself. You can't take them beyond where it is that you are. In other words, if you're not all in, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to lead a child to be all in with God themselves. If you want to raise godly children, you need to be a godly parent. There's an interesting passage of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's oftentimes gone to when people are talking about this subject of parenting. But I want to look at it from just a slightly different angle than what I typically hear used when this passage comes up. In the passage, it talks about the commands of God and how it's important to teach those to our children. And here's the way that it says it. In verse 7, it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That's great wisdom, and it's vitally important that we would learn it, but before it tells you what you need to do for your children, it tells you what you need to do for yourself. If you just rewind two verses before that, this is how that passage begins. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Then it says, 
impress them on your children. The order of that is vitally, vitally important. Jesus said the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, he's saying you cannot give away what you do not have. You cannot lead your children into a blessing that you've never come to experience for yourself. That only makes perfect sense. And when we fail to move in that direction, when we fail to move ourselves in that direction, we're stunning the spiritual growth of our own children. It's actually being deadly to their faith for a couple of reasons. For one thing, if you're not filling yourself up with God, your drive to fill up your child with God will be weak because you don't see the importance of it enough for yourself to actually take that step. And so you're not going to see the importance of filling them up either. It just won't mean that much to you to actually go and do it. That's one thing. It's also deadly because if we're faking it, we're pretending that that's our walk, not only is it not then going to be able to be something that we create to be real for our kids, it's also going to teach them about hypocrisy. Not from out there, not from the world, but from ourselves. Because we're pretending that something is true that isn't really true. We're pretending that we are something that we're really not, and they're going to see that. They're going to experience the whole turnoff of hypocrisy. Kids are very perceptive, and they know the true nature of what is going on, that you're doing one thing but calling them to something different. That's not going to fly. Now, it doesn't mean that you've got to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you need to know the Bible cover to cover and know everything absolutely that it says. But it does mean that you need to be honest about pursuing your own relationship with God. And if there's just one thing that you do as a result of what it is we talk about today that is going to bring the greatest benefit to your home, and incidentally, not just your kids, but your marriage and yourself, it is this, pursue God. Pursue God. That's where it's got to start. It's the first thing. Going on from there, also secondly, you need to foster conversation. Foster conversation. This begins by having faith conversations with your kids. And of course, it's going to look different depending on what stage your kids are at. Those conversations are going to look different. When your kids are little, it's great to just start by getting them into God's Word through Bible stories and reading to them regularly and then talking about what it is that's there. And as they start to get a little older and their minds develop, you can start to talk about application of that and what does that mean and so on and so forth. As they continue to grow, This is still having these faith conversations is still vital for you with your kids. It's not they grow out of the Bible story book age and then it's like, well, we're done with that. No, it's just as vital. In fact, I'd suggest to you it's even more vital as they grow into and past that stage. The truth is that your child's faith is being challenged every day. It's being challenged from other friends. It's being challenged from teachers even being challenged from authority figures in their life. It's being challenged from culture. It's being challenged by social media all the way on down. And that's causing questions to form in their mind. And they're starting to wonder about some of those things that maybe you've been talking about in the house. And and if there's not conversation going on between you and your kids, you're not going to know what's going on inside of them. You need to foster that. You need to develop it. You need to keep working on it. Now, I understand that there are times when it's like your kids just seem to be turning you off. It's like you're trying to have the conversation, but they're not interested. They don't want to talk. They go the other direction. They shut down. And I know that that can be the case. But if you won't throw in the towel too quickly, if you'll be an observant parent, you're going to learn that there are times 
And even times of the day, there are strategies that you can use that are going to foster your kids opening up and being willing to ask their questions and have the conversation together with you. You just got to learn to know each child, and it'll probably be different with each one of them. Carolyn and I discovered that there were definitely times when our kids were more open to conversation and times when they weren't. After school and during dinner, that was somewhat successful for us. Before school and during breakfast, never. That never worked. What worked actually best for us, we just got into a pattern. We prayed with the girls every night before they went to bed, and so we'd just pile on somebody's bed. We'd all just sort of meet there together, and we'd start talking. And we'd try to ask some leading questions and, and ask questions in different ways that started to sort of get them talking instead of just coming right out and asking the same question every single time. And before we'd pray or after we'd pray, it would often lead into some conversations. And sometimes they would be really thorny issues that they'd bring up and pretty significant questions that they would raise. And sometimes I'm, I think that we're afraid to go into this sort of conversation, especially as our kids continue to grow, because we're afraid we might not know the answer to the question they're going to ask. But there's no shame in saying, you know what, honey, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to figure that out and we're going to talk about it. Or maybe saying, why don't we try to figure that out together? See what it is that we ought to do in this realm. See, the ironic thing is your kids are not going to respect you less because you don't know the answer to the question. They're going to respect you less if you pretend that you do when you don't. No harm in that. And sometimes we would just turn it back on the kids. We'd turn to the question would be asked and we'd say, well, what do you think you ought to do in that situation? And oftentimes they'd come out with the perfect answer. In fact, an answer that sometimes would take it further than what I ever would have been daring enough to call them to go and do. And all we had to do is applaud and pat them on the back and say, you're absolutely right, honey, and then support them in trying to go and get that done. Fostering conversation with your kids needs to be a first priority pursuit. It's interesting there in Deuteronomy, that verse we looked at just a minute ago, it says to talk about the things of God with your kids. Look at it, it says, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. That's what it's calling you to do, and it says pretty much all the time during the day, be ready to do that. You need to be ready to talk. You need to be ready to listen. As one of my daughters said when she found out I was going to be talking about this topic, she said, say to them, listen to listen to your kids, not just wanting or not just waiting for your turn to talk so that you can correct them. So you can tell them, here's the way that you should have handled that. If every conversation, if every time you foster conversation with your kids, it ends up with a scolding or some sort of lesson, that what you're trying to do to get them to open up is going to make them shut up. And you're not going to make the progress that you're striving to make. Sometimes you need to just sort of leave an open-ended for a moment until you can get to the place where you can come back around to it. You just need to be wise in the way that you move forward in this. And maybe just one more thought on this subject, and that is don't give up. I know that there are going to be times when they shut you down. Don't give up. Keep trying. Maybe you need to look for some new nuances, some new ways into conversation, but don't ever give up. 
What you do not want to have happen is isolation between yourself and your kids. You don't want them to push you off long enough that finally you just throw in the towel and say, fine, we just won't talk. You don't want to allow circumstances to happen in such a way that the times when you normally would be together have opportunity to talk, like at dinner, that all of those times go away and now you're never eating together as a family. Or that the kid gets home from school and they go up to their room and they've got all the gadgets there and they just spend the whole time there and you see them the next morning for breakfast. You don't want that to be the case. You want to have open conversation that you are fostering, and and as you do so, you will develop that pattern and just stick with it. Even though they push you off, even though they make it clear that they're not interested in the moment, just don't give up. Keep going after it. And I know also that sometimes why that happens is because while they want to get away, the truth is you want to get away too. Because we're all busy and we all appreciate just a little bit of isolation and downtime. And so if they take theirs, I'll just go ahead and take mine and we'll kind of live this separate track. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in places where we're not having those conversations. There's plenty of, going to be plenty of time for you to isolate yourself and do just what it is you want to do. But those days are not the days when you have the opportunity in your home with your kids to have influence, to shape them and and turn them in the direction that God would have them to go. And incidentally, these first couple of things we've been talking about, about pursuing God and about fostering conversation, these aren't things that just happen when your kids are in the house. When they grow and when they're gone, these are still things that you can continue to do as you parent your kids, as adult kids. Lots of opportunity. And by the way, if you're the child, if you're the teenager, you're here today, and you know that your parents are trying to foster conversation with you, Help them out. Help them out. It's all for your benefit. So respond to their questions. Let them know about what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Feel free to talk. And if you're afraid that if you do so, they're just going to give you another lesson, they're just going to give you another, here's what you should have done, another scolding, then talk about with them that with them also. Or parents, talk about that with your kids and ask them if, if that's some of why there's some of the tension going on. And I think together you can find a way to establish some ground rules that are going to help you to move forward in that regard in what's best for both of you. Another key is to live transparently. We've talked a little bit about this, but be real with your kids. A couple of facts for you. One, you're not a perfect parent. Two, your kids know it. Okay, right? So let's just go ahead and admit it. Let's acknowledge that. Let your kids know that they're not the only ones who are dealing with problems and questions and and issues that are going on in their lives. It's not just them. You're facing some of those things also and be willing to be transparent with your kids. Now, of course, there are some things you can't share with them. It depends on age and stage and, and all of those things. But letting them know that you're having to process your way through things and showing them how you process your way through with God and with faith and with a concern for that which is ultimately right in God's eyes is going to teach them how they can do that for themselves also. So be transparent with your kids. If you have kids with you here today at church, wherever you're listening in, if you've got your kids with you, on your way home is a perfect opportunity for this. What's the normal question you probably ask your kids if they're kind of in that right stage on the way home? It's like, what did you learn in Sunday school today? 
What did you learn in class today? It's a natural question. You ask it of your kids and you're hoping they've got something to say since it was just 15 minutes earlier when they were learning it and that the only thing they have to say about Sunday school doesn't have to do with a snack, right? That's what you're hoping for. But maybe you should just say to them, look at what I learned today. Here's what I learned today to let them know that it's important to keep learning and hopefully you did because it was just 15 minutes earlier that you learned something and, and you don't even have a snack to compare it to. You'd probably like that, wouldn't you? You want a snack during the sermon? (laughs) Tough. All right. But talking about what you learned lets them know that you're serious about learning, that you don't have all the answers, but that you're willing to learn and to grow. So live transparently. Be real. Apologize when you need to apologize. And there are times when you do. Some parents never apologize to their kids even though they've done something wrong. I've had to apologize more times than I'd care to tell you to my kids. And if you want to raise a kid who knows how to apologize, then you're going to have to apologize to your kids when you've done something that is worthy of that or in need of that. Being real is better than being perfect because you're not perfect and they'll know. Fourthly, be united What we're talking about here is the importance of authority figures in a child's life being united on the message that they're sending to their kids. So if you're married, it's important that you and your spouse would be on the same page when you discipline, when you respond to a question that comes up. And this is something that you're going to have to be very intentional about because your responses will not always be the same. You won't see eye to eye necessarily on everything, but it's important that you are together when you respond to those kids and that one doesn't go one way and one goes the other way because the kids will use that as a wedge to get between the two of you and say, well, this isn't what mom said or this isn't what dad said. It's a passage in Amos 3 that says, do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? It's just saying you're, you're going to have to be intentional And sometimes that takes time to get your heads together. Sometimes you say, hold on, honey, we'll get back to you on that. And figure out together what you're going to do instead of right in front of the child being at odds in something like this. I can remember times when our girls would complain about a decision that Carolyn gave them saying, you're just saying that because dad said that. And maybe that was the case. But there's an importance to being together so that that wedge isn't driven between you for the sake of the child and for the sake of the marriage. This is one of the areas where some parents start down the road of we can't be together because we just don't see things the same. For the sake of your kids, you need to get on the same page. Now, I know that there are lots of situations where this is really hard. If you're divorced, it could very well be that your former spouse seems to do things exactly the opposite way of how you would like to have them done for your child. And I get that. I understand that. And that creates a unique environment and a unique circumstance. But as much as you can, and it won't be perfect, but as much as you can, you need to work together so that you can find where you can have the common ground so that you can work together for the benefit of that child by being united in this regard. And whether you're parenting together or alone, it's important that you would be putting your children in environments where the authority figures in those environments are pushing forward and supporting what your values are. 
that you're trying to communicate to your child or your kids. If you're a single mom, find some role models around Pathway who can come around you and who can spend time with that child and can support what it is that you believe is important for them. Put them in environments. Bring them into groups. Bring your teens into youth group. Put them in a place where, again, they can have your values getting supported by somebody who isn't mom and dad so that your kids come to recognize it's not just that mom and dad have their ideas and boy are they weird, but there are a lot of other people that think the same way that they think. Be diligent about this because your kids' friends and involvements and values will either be determined intentionally or they'll be determined by default. This is really important. You can direct it or you can just let it happen. You need to be intentional about the direction your kids are going, and then you need to support where they're going. That leads us into the last one, which is to prioritize consistency. Kids thrive on consistency. It provides stability. It provides peace of mind. It makes them feel as though everything is okay. Oddly enough, even when the thing that is consistent isn't something that they want, it still provides security for them because they know what's coming. They know what's going to happen. They know how things are going to unfold when these things move forward. The truth is that if it's not consistent, it's confusing. If it's not consistent for your kids, it's confusing. If you really want to mess them up, then change values midstream and tell them that one thing is important, but don't back it up with the way that you live or what it is that you call them to go and do. This is another of the things that my kids said. They said to support what you encourage. If it's lessons that you have them in, then practice with them. Help them. Show them that you really were serious, that it's important that they learn and grow in this regard. If it's spiritual things and church, then model it by your own engagement and get your kids there on a regular basis. If it's spiritual things, you've got to do that. You've got to move forward. Don't expect a deeper commitment and a greater faithfulness out of your kids than you're demonstrating yourself or that you're supporting to help them move in that direction. Look, back to the matter is, the returns that you're going to get with your kids are going to directly be in keeping with the investments that you make. The returns you're going to get in seeing values and life being directed in a certain way with your kids is going to be directly in keeping with the investment that you make. So what is the investment you're making? Don't expect them to turn out in some fashion that has nothing to do at all with what it is that you led them to, what you supported, what you encouraged, where you had them, how frequently you had them there, and so on. Remember, if it's not consistent, it's confusing, and the Apostle Paul actually gives us a word about that. It's in Ephesians 6. He writes, Fathers, and that could be, could just say parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Confusing messages are exasperating messages for your kids. Be consistent, prioritize consistency, and teach them in the ways of the Lord, he's saying. Now, does that mean that our, mean that our home should be locked down, drill sor- sergeant sort of environments where everything's rules and rigid? No, I certainly hope not. That is not a fun place to live. 
It's not a helpful place to live at all. That's not what I'm calling you to. For one thing, consistency shouldn't be seen as oppressive. Consistency is actually a demonstration of love. If you're going to be consistent in your home, what that's going to mean is that there are going to be sacrifices of love that you're going to be making on behalf of your children. It's actually got everything to do with submission. In fact, if you look at this passage, the broader passage, you have to go all the way back to chapter 5 and verse 21 to find the start of what he has to say here about families. We saw last week he walks through marriage for a while and then he gets into parenting. The way that the whole thing starts as he says, be submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ. For some of us, the idea of being submissive to our kids is like there's no compute in that. I'm the authority. I'm in charge. And you're going to end up with a drill sergeant environment if it's got to be that way. No, love and sacrifice and submission is appropriate in the home on behalf of your kids. Look, it's out of love that you park the minivan where the convertible used to be. There are sacrifices that are made all along the way. And beyond that, there are opportunities to relax the standard operating procedure that goes on in your house, at least on occasion, and I'd encourage you to go ahead and do that. By all means, throw away the bedtime so that you can go to the Pirates game and stay out a little bit late, later than what normally would be the case. Serve the kids some ice cream for breakfast someday when mom's not home. Yeah, that's just the one little caveat there. You may Extend some grace to them when the normal discipline that might have been fitting for the crime is a little different than what it should have been. And teach them about grace as you do so. But here's the thing with relaxing rules, all right? You can only relax rules once there's been the establishment of a solid foundation for what the house is about and how things operate in that house. If it's all just relaxing rules, then that's not a helpful thing at all. That is just parenting that is inconsistent and is going to leave the kids wondering what in the world is going on here. I don't understand what is happening. And look, I know there's a temptation to try to be the cool parent, you know, the the one who is sort of forward thinking because you want to be liked by your kids. But if there's no establishment of a foundation in the home from which then we alter things every once in a while just for a moment, if there's no foundation, they're just going to wonder why you're so wishy-washy and why you could never make up your mind and why they could never figure out, am I going to get yelled at today or is dad going to pat me on the back and take me for ice cream? They're not going to know. It's appropriate to establish those ground rules and make them very plain and very clear and then other things can flow out of that. Now, just wrapping this up, if you're like me, you've blown those five things a lot. You haven't done everything that you were supposed to do. You might be ready to trade in your parent card. You might be ready to trade in your kids. I don't know. Because it is a challenging role to be sure, and we're not going to be perfect in this regard. But the good news is that kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. Obviously, the the best case scenario is that we're consistent from the very first moment. From the very first moment, they come home and we just start our way right down the road with this. And that's awesome. I'd encourage you to do that. And again, if you're one who parenting is yet future for you, hold on to these things, review them, and try to bring that into the home at the earliest possible moment. But even if you're past that stage, 
and you're like, man, I've been wasting a lot of time here, and there are these challenges, and there are these tensions that are going on in my home, or maybe my kids are gone, and the challenges still exist. It doesn't negate the principles that we've talked about. And God is a forgiving God. And not only will He forgive you for maybe errors that you've made along the way, He'll forgive your kids and He'll be able to bring harmony where there has been tension. And it's like, well, I just want to drive and drive and drive into this until that happens. Well, maybe you need to rewind just for a moment. And maybe you need to review some of these circumstances again and ask yourself, is there something here that I can bring to the table that's going to help? Maybe it is that you need to start pursuing God in a way that you didn't before. And as you go after God and as maybe your adult child or your teen child sees, you know what, dad and mom are really serious in a way that they haven't been before. Maybe that is going to be the thing that brings the breakthrough or continuing to find opportunity to talk when they're open to talking. Maybe if they're already way way down the road on this, that's not going to happen as often as you'd like, but look for those opportunities. And whenever they happen, drop whatever you're doing and get in there and get to it and live transparently. Maybe you've never apologized to your kids for anything. And maybe there's a simple apology that's been hanging out there that just needs to be made. And when you do, you'll see that things change. Maybe it'll open a door, maybe just a crack to allow you to step in and experience something like you haven't before. Maybe it's got to do with consistency. I do know that this is one of the most challenging relationships of life, but it can also be one of the most joyful, rewarding of all of life. And even though it's complicated, we can get there as we pursue God, as we foster conversation, as we live transparently, as we be united, and as we prioritize consistency. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we start today just with a confession that we haven't done all that we could have done. We haven't done it as well as we could have done it. But Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the fact that you will lead and can lead and that regardless of where we are in that journey, that as we pursue you, you will lead us into what is best for us but also what is best for our children. And you'll help us to get to that place and you'll give us the stamina to step in when we want to just step back and just relax and just isolate ourselves. Father, we do ask that in our homes that you would make them places that we love to be, that our children love to be, and then again, you would give us the courage to speak into circumstances, to move forward when we want to step back, to engage when we want to disengage, and to run to you for the wisdom that we can find. Lord, I pray for each home that is represented here. Some yet to have kids, some with toddlers, some elementary, high school, college, out of the house. Lord, wherever we are, you know the circumstance. And I would just pray for our families. I pray that you would bring health where there's been injury. I pray that you would make our homes places that love you and that have you at the center. 
and that you'd give us the wisdom in the moment, in every moment as we make our way along to know what to say, what to do, how to engage. Lord, we do it for your sake and for the sake of our homes, for the sake of our children, that we want to see grow and develop into God followers. Lord, use us to help guide them there and give us the joy of family along the way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.